welcome and thanks for listening. I'm Stacey Randall-Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia-Reed. Together, we will examine essential questions so you can cultivate a deeper connection to your true identity and help others do the same. This is personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. Welcome to Personal Power for the Common Good, the podcast where we explore the ups and downs that come with each stage of human development. We find ways to sidestep barriers on the way to authenticity and learn how to help others do the same. And by doing so, you can help to change the world for the better. One person, one encounter, one moment at a time. This podcast episode is dedicated to Heslin and Scarlett Lewis, the parents of six-year-old Jesse Lewis, who was one of 20 first graders killed in the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School attack. Jesse's parents won a lawsuit in August 2022 against conspiracy theorist Alex Jones and his media company, Free Speech Systems, because of Jones's relentless claims that the 2012 Sandy Hook massacre was a hoax to increase gun control. Exposing his lies to the world not only elevated the truth, but in the words of Jesse's father, also to restore the honor and legacy of my son. I'm Stacey Randall-Shaheen, an adult educator and human rights advocate. I'm here with my good friend, colleague, and coach, Diane Amelia-Reed. And that's me. Hi, Diane Amelia-Reed, a college and career advisor, social justice advocate, and personal transformation coach. Stacy and I welcome you to this 11th episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. Thanks so much for joining us. We're truly glad you're here. Personal Power for the Common Good is a podcast for everyone, anyone who is, in, who is connected to other people, animals, communities, the world in some way. This is for anyone who gives care to a child, a friend, parent, elder, a neighbor, personally or professionally. And it's for those who want to give care to themselves. Hey, we're speaking to you. This episode is brought to you by Shine, the Mindset Mastery Workshop series that helps you become the you that you are meant to be. Our podcast is focused through the lens of eight key developmental stages, a framework created by social psychologist Eric Erickson. If you'd like to learn about the stages of pre-birth to early adulthood that we've covered already, You'll find previous episodes at our website, personalpowercommongood.com. In the previous episode, we began the early years of stage six, which is intimacy versus isolation, with a focus on 20 to 24-year-olds. This can be a particularly vulnerable time as people begin to set the stage for the rest of their lives, personally and professionally. Although the delay of marriage and parenthood that has occurred in the United States in the last couple of decades takes some of the immediate pressure off, there are unique 21st century factors that have added to the sometimes turbulent age range. Yeah, I mean, the ongoing threat of climate change, unprecedented income disparity throughout the world, and truly seemingly never-ending cloud of war and terrorism and interpersonal violence. It can make intimacy even more scary, and the appeal of isolation grows, especially when you can avoid the, quote, real world or real human interaction by spending most of your waking hours on the internet. That's self-imposed isolation, and it detracts from the kind of intentional emotional investment in others 
and nurturing human connection that we've identified as integral parts of the Personal Power Foundation. With them, you help others develop power within. Your positive impact on the world is magnified, and you benefit from an interdependent network of support. And this is true at any age. We hope you will use your personal power to help others as part of a positive interdependent chain. And each episode includes ways that you can be a catalyst for personal power in your circle of influence. In our last episode, focusing on the 20 to 24-year-olds, one idea is this. If you notice significant changes in the young adult in your life, do not hesitate to voice your concern as an ally and a friend. Be there by just being there. And keep listening for tips on how to be a catalyst of personal power for the latter half of stage six. Yeah, in this episode, we're going to focus on 25 to 39-year-olds, which is the latter part of stage six. And it's typically a lot going down in these 14 years. (laughs) Big changes, major life transitions, ever-increasing financial responsibilities. That's just to name a few. So rethinking your personal power can be confusing, challenging, and also tender work. So in each episode, we feature a self-awareness activity to guide you and a self-care tip to foster self-love. Visit the website for ideas shared on previous episodes. The global COVID pandemic that began in 2020 exacerbated mental health challenges, leaving many young people feeling afraid, feeling alone. So couple that with the transition into adult responsibilities, and this has been a double whammy for the 20 to 24-year-olds, particularly those without equitable access to things like education, housing, and a living wage employment in the United States and around the world. And these harsh realities, they just don't necessarily become easier to manage as people move into their late 20s and 30s. Yeah, it's especially true now because some of the critical social and economic supports that assisted growing adults in the past have been whittled down basically by corporate greed. The labor movements of the early 20th century created more humane working conditions, child labor laws, and the rise of unions that guaranteed a living wage. But now, many people work multiple jobs just to break even each month or lose money each month. They don't have reliable childcare, healthcare. According to a 2022 Schroeder's U.S. Retirement Survey, only 22% of people approaching retirement age say they'll have enough money to maintain a comfortable standard of living. And that's down from 4% last year. Fear, mistrust are the new normal, not exactly key ingredients for the development of intimacy. Not even. Now, many people in their 20s and 30s view all this with an underlying sense of dread or anxiety, which then gets processed in unhealthy ways, over-dependence on alcohol or other drugs, over or under-eating, choosing life partners that aren't quite right, but good enough as the biological clock ticks, 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 and outsiders nag about marriage or settling down before it's too late. Although some gender boxes have evolved from concrete into plywood, the pressure on women is especially intense because our female identities can still be very much defined by our relationship or motherhood status. So without self-awareness and critical examination of the society that we live in that shapes us how we think and see and feel about ourselves and other people, we can make some really bad partnerships, employment or other life choices. 
So the female's stereotypical quest for fairy tale love always includes self-sacrifice to satisfy someone else. And the male stereotypical quest for sexual conquest includes a sacrifice of another to satisfy self. Talk about two extremes. It's not a match made in heaven, <laughs> that's for sure. And these types of dynamics also exist in same-sex partnerships, unless the negative elements of the dominant culture are exposed, talked about, and changed for the better. Bring it into the light. That is so true. In each episode, we explore two essential questions to deepen thought and reflection, uh, because as educators, we offer these essential questions as a learning guide, something specific to achieve or to understand by the end of our time together. So in this episode, our two essential questions are these. How can I develop more loving ways of seeing myself that support my best life? And looking a little bit outward, what awareness can I bring to each day that honors me and helps make the world a better place for everyone? The 25 to 39-year-old age range covers a lot of territory, lots of time to build your mark in the world or not. Many people sleepwalk through these years as they build careers, buy homes, start families, and on and on. And time and energy are zapped by the daily grind, re-energized temporarily with a good cup of coffee. This can be especially a difficult time for career women as they sometimes have to choose. And that, of course, is if they have the choice between leaving career paths or staying home with their children. Most women do both by necessity. It is challenging and it's an unlevel playing field with often competing physical, mental, and emotional poles from all directions. One of the advantages of this age span is that we begin to see the world and our choices are not black and white. The world has lots of gray, and that is open to our own interpretation. Seemingly, there may not be a lot of time for self-reflection during these years, but it's an incredibly important time of development to do so. The ages of 25 to 39 for me were a whirlwind of change. After doing what I was supposed to do in my early 20s, go to college, find a job, move out on my own, blah, 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 the majority of my free time was devoted to relationships with men. Although I had mostly multi-year monogamous relationship, I constantly questioned whether I was good enough, pretty enough, thin enough, sexual enough, etc. And although I wasn't isolating myself in my house, I could not engage in true intimacy with another person because I didn't love myself enough to know that I was good enough as is. Not being good enough as is was also my big theme for this chapter. My involvement with bulimia began at 23 and it lasted until I was 39. And that's, you know, do the math, 16 years. And putting that behavior to an end was all about me truly accepting that I am lovable just as is. Yeah, it sounds so simple, but you know, dang, when a, a weed like that has roots that goes back decades, it takes time to clean up that garden. And the kicker is that overall, I had a happy, very fortunate childhood. My parents were loving and supportive, but you know, they had their humanity and their unexamined issues, and those bled through to me. Yeah, and those cultural and social forces are <laughs> no joke. You know, you, you are targeted, you're exposed to them at every age and very difficult to process. 
So again, for me, I was, I just continued my earlier pattern of placing too much trust in people who hadn't really earned it. And after about a year of dating, dismissing red flags that were definitely there, chose not to see them. I relented to have um, unprotected sex with my boyfriend at the time. And as they say, it only takes once. And I became pregnant with my son. And although the father promised to marry me if anything like that happened, I quickly discovered how cheap talk truly is. So after blowing off my nine-week visit to the OBGYN, when I heard my son's heartbeat for the first time, he told me to get an abortion and abandoned us. Going through pregnancy on my own was one of the hardest and loneliest times of my life. It was not the way things were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Well, although my story was different, during those years, I also grappled with things in my life not being as they were supposed to be. When I was young, it was a, you know, quote unquote, given that I'd marry a man and have kids. But I was in love with a woman and I discovered that I didn't actually want kids. So all this as I was trying to accept my lovability as is. It felt like the ground kept shifting and it was hard. And I was hesitant and beyond fearful about announcing my unplanned pregnancy to my family particularly with my mom, um, as emotional intimacy or support is not her strong suit with me. I'll never forget the day I told her because we were sitting at a round table with a glass top. I was 30 at the time, but felt more like a 13-year-old with a secret or a confession to tell. As soon as I broke the news, a light fixture hanging above the table fell down and broke the glass of the table. (laughs) There was a lot of scary energy in that room. Wow. It's interesting, though, because having my son as a single mother radically changed my perception of myself, particularly by how I perceived my body. Instead of using my body to attract men, I suddenly realized how powerful it was. And as my son grew inside me, I viewed my body with honor instead of disdain for really the first time since I was a little girl. My pregnancy and subsequent single motherhood were a huge stepping stone for me. I began to see myself in healthier ways in support of my, my best life. I wouldn't settle for less than I deserved because I wasn't looking for just a man. I was looking for a role model for my son. And I happened to find him when I got married at the age of 51. So never give up. You got a good one. Worth the wait. For sure. He's a keeper. Despite lots of negative press and language about the status of children of single parents, I started to recognize some advantages of raising a boy on my own. I knew early on in the pregnancy that I wanted a boy because I believe the world needs better men, men that can acknowledge, recognize, and express feelings, something they're taught not to do, instead of channeling all their emotions via anger or violence. It's so sad, so sad for them, for us, and for the world. One of the ways I made the most of every day in service to optimal self-actualization and the creation of a better world for all of us was redefining our household. I taught my son he did not live in a fatherless home. He lived in a motherful one. Yes, he did. A really good motherful one. That's right. And that one little shift made a big difference. I'm not saying it was easy to raise a child on my own on a human services salary, but the way I perceived and renamed the experience for myself allowed me to reach out to others for help, build community, and return to some of my creative passions to recharge my sense of self. As a family support and education director for the first 14 years of my son's life, thank you, universe, my chains also helped other parents, homeless, single, two-parent, whatever, 
they I help them redefine their own perceptions and heal some of their self or other imposed trauma or negative point of view. I started a weekly parenting group called Parent Connection because I knew that parenting in isolation or shame does not lead to good family outcomes. What a gift to the parents you worked with. My parents were professionally employed, educated, and kind-hearted, and even with those relatively uncomplicated circumstances, I know that they would have benefited greatly from guidance and support in their parenting role. Why is it that the single most important job on the planet doesn't come with a manual? Right? Or a license or anything. Gratefully, we do learn and we do evolve. And human development is a lifelong process of change and adaptation with the ability to improve with awareness, training, and practice. As shared in his book, The Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom, Don Miguel Ruiz reminds his readers that as adults, we have powers of choice that we didn't have as kids. So unearth the self-limiting, fear-based beliefs that make you unhappy. It's up to you to choose what to believe and what not to believe. You can choose to believe in anything. And that includes, for sure, believing in yourself. Amen to that. So let's recap our essential questions. How can I develop more loving ways of seeing myself that support my best life? And number two, what awareness can I bring to each day that honors not only me, but also helps make the world a better place for everyone? As you reflect more on our essential questions, please know this. It is never too late to make changes that will improve your life. Let go of those black and white absolutes and explore the gray. Commit to what helps you become your best self. Right. What, what makes you the most happy, the most passionate? Suffering is part of every human experience in one form or another. But as you work through the suffering to a better place, keep asking yourself, is what I'm doing right now or thinking or feeling right now actually helping me, bringing me up or harming me, bringing me down? And if it's the latter, keep working on the awareness you need to make a change. Pick, pick different words for yourself. Language is so powerful. Remember that. Motherful home, not fatherless. Yes. And most of all, give yourself grace to grow in circles. Because Stacy and I both know, and you probably do too, progress rarely happens in a straight line. Absolutely not. So an action step until next time is based on one of our core beliefs that we have in our work together with adult students. We ask them to identify their why, a compelling, deeply motivating reason to keep working toward their goals, especially when times are hard. To help you identify or remind yourself of your bigger purpose during this stage of development, create a vision board of words, images to remind you along the way. Check out the vision board worksheet on our website to get you started. Now, Make no mistake about it, becoming your most authentic self is work. Full capital letters, work. So take time to rest or play or both. Literally, put it on your calendar and honor it as if you were honoring an appointment with someone else. And if someone asks into that time, you don't have to explain or justify yourself. Just say, I'm sorry, I've already got a commitment then. Could we do it or... Are you available? Or I'd love to help you at another time, period. Ugh, setting limits, so important. 
at every age. So remember, your thoughts matter, and your words matter, and most importantly, you matter. So in each episode, we share ways you can become a catalyst for a happier, better, and more loving world, one person at a time. So today's suggestions on how to be a positive influencer of personal power, for adults in this particular age group, 25 to 39, here's some ideas. Don't assume that people know how much you love them. Show them and tell them often. Be specific with your partner, your child, your workmate, and on and on about how he or she can demonstrate that love to you. Create healthy family traditions or rituals that emphasize how much you mean to one another. Check out Stephen Covey's Compliment Morning as one way to do this. Check it on Google. And find ways to volunteer. Helping others is one of the most effective paths to happiness, optimism, and to resilience. Now, if you take a step toward the common good with a self-care breakthrough, or you have a eureka moment in your role as a positive influencer, tell us about it by dropping a note at personalpowercommongood.com. We absolutely love to hear from you. And we love sharing words of wisdom from those who inspire us. So as you recall, this episode honors Heslin and Scarlett Lewis, the parents of six-year-old Jesse Lewis. Despite death threats, a gunshot to their home, and ongoing harassment that they and other parents of Sandy Hook victims endured, they spoke truth to power and fear and exposed the lies that deny the reality of their son's death. Courage, man. Truth. Justice. And that's a wrap on this episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. We sure hope you'll join us next time as we explore Erickson's seventh stage of generativity. Mm-hmm. There's your word for the day. <laughs> like it. <laughs> generativity versus stagnation for people in the 40 to 65 year old range. And hey, that includes Stacy and me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you're finding value here and ask that you help us spread the word about our podcast. Listeners can find us on all the streaming outlets and at our website where you'll find the weekly worksheets too. I'm Stacy Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. We appreciate you and look forward to our ongoing and ever-evolving conversation on personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. Mm-hmm.